Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Noctis Point, Chapter 3. Details, Sarah. I need details. Princess Ariadne, daughter to the Emperor Nicholas Cutter and heir to the Terran Empire, yanked her headset away as it squealed static. As she rearranged it back into place, she muttered under her breath, cursing her lack of coffee, Terran electronics engineers in general, and her maidservant in particular. Sorry, Highness, came the reply. Stood too close to one of the bugs. Ariadne craned her neck forward to look closely at the small soft screen laid out on the table. She was sat in the kitchen of her small suite of rooms in the Imperial Palace, while her handmaid was serving at the Olympic soiree. You should have taken up the invitation, Highness, Sarah said, sub-vocalising through the tiny microphone attached to her jaw. The contact lenses she was wearing beamed back a picture to the palace, although not in terribly high quality, in shades of blue and grey, Ariadne had been forced to watch various mundane chores in the kitchen. I couldn't make it, Ariadne said, grabbing a slice of pizza out of the nearby box. Too much else going on. She peered closely at the screen again. Is that Coordinator Tenevsky in the corner? Looks like it, Sarah replied. The focus of the image flicked onto a tall, thin man, immaculately dressed, calmly watching everything. It was hard to tell if his hair was grey with age or just white blonde. The image went dark for a split second, and when it came back, Sarah was looking at the floor. He creeps me out, she subvoked. Always watching. He made a pass at me earlier, too. Don't worry. Father has plans for him, Ariadne said, around a mouthful of cold double pepperoni. Time the Central Territory had a new coordinator. There was silence, but for the crackle of the open channel, and Ariadne checked on the various other soft screens clipped up around the nest she had made for herself. Three screens attached magnetically to the fridge showed stock figures in the eastern, northern and southern territories. Two sat up on stands on the kitchen worktop were displaying casts, one running footage of the war, the other a game show featuring retired psychs trying to prove they still had it. Seven more screens were draped over various pieces of table furniture, each one showing a profile of someone at the planning meeting, and the eighth had changed to show a balcony. How about this? Sarah said. Good view, lots of shadow for me. I can see most of what's going on. I've brought a tray of drinks up in case anyone tackles me. I knew there was a reason I employed you, Sarah, Ariadne said. You didn't, Sarah returned, whip-crack fast. Your father did. More fool him, the princess muttered. Laziness and multitasking aside, there was a far more practical reason why Sarah was at the event and not Ariadne. The young girl, dressed as waiting staff, faded into the background. She heard things that Ariadne wouldn't. People tended to keep their tongues when the daughter of the Empire's most powerful man walked past, no matter how much she dumbed herself down for them. In the end, it was easier to run things from the shadows, or at least from the kitchen. One of the soft screens pinged, and Ariadne tapped it, muting Sarah's feed with the other hand. Call for Shrike was running across the top of the screen, the PO logo rotating in the centre. Feeling as faintly silly as she always did when she used the code name. Ariadne tapped the button for the vocal distortion she used when speaking to any of her agents, and then pressed answer. This is Shrike. What is it? Sorry to interrupt your evening, Shrike, 
but you asked to be informed when we had more information on yesterday's terrorist attack on the Tangramway Com Centre, said a woman's voice. Captain Fern, good evening to you too, Ariadne said. Go ahead. The spiders... Jovians, Ariadne corrected. They're not spiders. There was a pause, then the captain continued. The Jovians were brought as eggs and raised here on Earth. How they got them through the biohazard scans is beyond us, but there it is. The guns were very high-tech, brought in through the sewers underneath the comms building, and a man, one of the maintenance staff, gave them an access key in return for knowing which day to stay off work. Find that man and... Pardon, Shrike, Fern said. But that was the first thing we did. He's dead. Slow-acting poison delivered as a gas. Ariadne sat back in her chair and bit her lip thoughtfully. They were very prepared. But why did they want to disrupt comms to Mars? She tapped the table idly. Why? Not sure, Shrike, the captain said. There was a survivor, though. A scientist by the name of Briggs. He's in intensive care right now. We're not sure if he'll live. She paused. Perhaps someone at Noctis Point knows. They're up to something, sir, I always think. Casual racism in this day and age. Ariadne started in on another slice of pizza. Your position as neutral observer in the PSYOPs force does not afford you the opportunity to let your personal judgments interfere with your work, Captain Fern. The work done at Noctis Point is important, both for the psychs that train there and for the safety of the Empire. But it wouldn't hurt to have more of a presence there. She frowned. Do we have any agents there? Difficult to insert one, sir, unless they're a psych. They can't all be psychs. Maintenance staff or something. Get someone in there and keep me posted. And I want to know as soon as this survivor wakes up. There's probably not a lot he can tell us, but there might be something of use. Silence again, but for the crackle, then... Of course, Shrike. Out. Ariadne unmuted Sarah. I really am going to have to ask you to return to the party, Mr Jenkinson. Good grief, the princess thought. Can't leave things for a moment. The screen was filled by a far too close man drooling slightly as he leaned in for what looked like a kiss. One of the lower down dignitaries, only really invited because he was rich. Problem, she said out loud. The view on the screen went from side to side as Sarah shook her head. Fair enough. She muted the feed again, half watching as Sarah rushed away in the direction of the kitchens, and sighed. Never a dull moment. The newscast had changed to a muted grey landscape, long furrows that might once have been massive ocean waves at irregular distances, all dusted with frost. A news reporter was interviewing one of the soldiers now, a Sergeant Johns, and Ariadne thumbed the volume up. Could you tell us a little about the battle, Sergeant Johns? Aye, he said, broad accent burring through the screen. The soldiers charged the forward position, up there on the hill. He turned and pointed to a crest of grey rock on which stood some gunnery towers. He wasn't wearing his slick suit, so they were either stood in front of a large screen or they were in some sort of transparent bubble. They managed to kill a few of us before we could get the defences trained on them. They're fast when they're riled, especially over rough ground. He frowned. We beat them back, though. We're tallying now, but it looks like we got more than half again as many of them. Do you have a few words for the watchers at home, Sergeant Johns? Aye, the soldier said. Keep a weather eye on the night sky. We'll be home soon. This war can't last much longer. The losses they've suffered and we'll be damned if we... A massive explosion rocked the image on the soft screen, causing static to fritz across it. As it cleared, Ariadne looked closer. The gunnery towers were crumbling, their supports blown out, and suddenly Jovian soldiers were crawling all over it. 
the camera work became shaky as the crew moved for a better shot, and Sergeant Johns was already walking away, barking orders. The base here on Europa has just been hit by an explosion, came the breathless voice of the reporter. Unknown numbers of spider troops are storming the base now. Are we getting this? The image smoothed out. It looks as though the legendary Psych Unit 5 have been sent out to combat this attack. Twenty men and women ran out onto the frosty surface to meet the charge, all in black slick suits and mirrored helmets. They reached the top of the rise and thrust out their hands in perfect unison. Nothing happened. One of them cocked his head to the side, and a moment later they changed formation into a single group. Again they thrust their hands out, focusing the force from their minds. Again, nothing happened. The Jovians were closer with every second. Oh my! It looks as if the Fifth are attempting to push back the spiders with Focus TK. That's telekinesis, folks, but for some reason they're unaffected. As Ariadne watched, the Jovians stormed up the ridge and met the Fifth, who were frantically trying to regroup as their powers failed them. The first Jovian grabbed a man in its thick fingers and, almost casually, pulled his arm out of its socket. The screen went dark, and then the studio presenters were back on screen, apologising for the graphic quality of the images. As if on cue, several of the soft screens began pinging. With a wave, Ariadne silenced them, then unmuted her handmaid. Sarah, I need you back here now. Highness, I... Now. No argument. The fifth were just ripped apart by Jovians live on air and it looked an awful lot like their psych wasn't working. A brief pause, then a nod from the image. At once, Highness. The screen went dead as Sarah cut the link and Ariadne picked the black soft screen up and rolled it thoughtfully in her hands. If the Jovians had managed to create psych-proof troops, then the war was far from over. She checked her watch, 10.30 and gone. Father would still be up, and he needed to hear this, if he hadn't already been informed. Ariadne got up and straightened her T-shirt. Then, grabbing a couple of screens and the last slice of pizza, she walked briskly out of her apartment. You've been listening to chapter three of my novel, Noctis Point. If you've enjoyed this episode, then check out my blog, stevecookfiction.com.